I get up in the evening And I ain't got nothing to say I come home in the morning I go to bed feeling the same way I ain't nothing but tired Man, I'm just tired and bored with myself Hey there, baby I could use just a little help You can't start a fire You can't start a fire without a spark This gun's for hire Even if we're just dancing in the dark You sit around getting older there's a joke here, we're here in Bates on me. I'll shake this world off my shoulders. Come on, baby, the laugh's on me. Stay on the streets of this town. And they'll be carving you up all right. They say you've got to stay hungry. Hey, baby, I'm just about starving tonight. I'm dying for some action. I'm sick of sitting around here trying to write this book. I need a love reaction. Come on now, baby, give me just one look. You can't start a fire. Worrying about your little world falling apart This gun's for hire Even if we're just dancing in the dark This gun's for hire Even if we're just dancing in the dark say something let's do that okay hello lovely listeners hello hello welcome around the virtual campfire welcome to this frithcast episode 132 welcome you know the drill settle in grab a log warm your knees get a drink do your thing welcome around the virtual campfire from wherever you are listening to us 132. Yeah. I know, for some reason I've just got... I'm just thinking... Um, I've just got Obi-Wan in my head going, how did this happen? Yeah, <laughs> that. Only without the, we're better than this. <laughs> yeah. How did this happen? We're better than this. I have the high ground? Obviously not. No. Oh no, this was long before the high ground thing. Oh, okay. This was when they were still buddy buddies. Oh, 
you see. Um, but yes, anyway, so here we are, episode 132, and yeah, we were going to talk about something. We were, and before we do that, we wanted to say a big shout out and big love to all our lovely people at Awaken the North. We hope you're very, very well. Yes, you are especially welcome around the virtual campfire. So if you, lovely listener, are looking for an inclusive international group of heathens where there's some good discussion, some good learning, some really, really fabulous people, maybe check out Awaken the North and see what you think. It's definitely worth uh, worth giving it a look. Yeah. So, yeah, today's topic, lovely listeners, you've heard us kind of, you know we go off on, on sideways randomnesses. It's been known. It's been known. And you know that occasionally we do queer and we do geek and we do funnies. And then every now and again, we hopefully do something a little bit more kind of deep meaningful and seriousness so oh we're steady on now i know so you'll be getting yeah, philosophical next i will if i could spell it <laughs> lovely listeners grab your drink of choice we're going on a bit of a mind journey today and we're hoping that you'd like to come with us music goes here do 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 that was bad it wasn't that bad do 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 do. It's pretty good. I can't remember what the words are that are spoken backwards through that piece of music. I think that's the whole point, isn't it? Yeah. You can't remember them, so it's fine. I did backtrack it once. I did reverse it once. Yeah. To find out what out they were saying. What the words were. I know it's nothing. It's not anything offensive or anything. It's <laughs> not like secret abuse of the audience or anything like that. No. Um, the guy in the front row has a big nose. <laughs> but backwards. He has a big nose. Front big nose backwards. What? No! The words are backwards. The nose isn't backwards. I was going to say, it must make it very difficult for him to wear hoodies. And he smells terrible. <laughs> I'm trying to work out how to unknot that one. I wouldn't. I'd just leave it well alone. Anyway, yeah, on to, on with the motley. Yeah, um, now we know we've we've kind of we know we've we've set the serious tone for this afternoon, this evening, whenever the heck we are in in your time and place in the world. Whenever you're listening to us, it's all good. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's kind of got something to do with it, and we're going to talk a little bit today about theological. Theological cosmology. And metaphysics. I suppose. Yeah, it's another word I can't spell. Well, I should point out that I've never been on a course for theology, cosmology or metaphysics. And I have absolutely no right to be talking about any of this stuff. I've never been on a course to spell any of those words. Well, it's, it's really just fancy words for... You see, I've, if I may... Uh, take me on a journey? <laughs> a strange journey. How strange! Very strange. strange. <laughs> um, <laughs> I personally, which is to say, me, being somebody who is very interested in what one might 
refer to as the, um, I suppose, broadly, the paranormal. Yeah. Particularly with regard to uh, the hypothesis of ultra-terrestrials. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and 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 so on. The 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 idea that these many of these uh, paranormal experiences that people report, uh, which may or may not be occurring in the objective world. I mean, it's possible that they may be experiencing them on a psychological yeah. uh, level. But I personally don't think that makes them less of an experience than if they were solid, objective. Objects, objective objects. But there is a, a hypothesis to go alongside the idea that, you know, UFOs are aliens and ghosts are the spirits of the dead and so on, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, some people uh, subscribe to the idea that all of these things... Have happened before. Have happened before. I yes! knew you were going to say that. because <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I'm just going to shut up and drink my tea before. I left that gap and I thought... You know where I'm going. I know where that's going to go. Yeah. All of these things are, in fact, the same thing. And that they have been a thing which we, as people, have experienced, as human beings, have collectively, have experienced for all the way through our history and before. It's one of my favourite uh, films, which I may have mentioned before, is The Mothman Prophecies. Um, because there are some wonderful conversations in it, not so much because of the, you know, the, 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 the sort of the, the action inverted commas that happens in the film, but the, some of the conversations that the characters have absolutely fascinate me. And one of them is a where the main character is talking to uh, an expert about the sightings of this strange creature that are happening in in this town in America, and. He says, you know, something along the lines of, uh, uh, he's coming at it from the point of view of, is it, is it aliens? And this chap says, no, these have these things have always been here. They're a normal condition of the planet, he says. And the idea that they are all part of a a sort of layer of reality that we don't normally experience, but occasionally bleeds over into our everyday perception. And that's always intrigued me, that idea. And it led me to, you know, think about ideas um, like the the various otherworld myths um, and legends like the Celtic Otherworld, and which I'm not going to try and pronounce because I actually try to respect other people's languages and <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to do it. Nasty things to it. But you also have, it has many, many names. I mean, it's... You know, it's referred to as sort of um, Magonia, Arcadia, what have you. These are these this other place where, in a lot of uh, mythology, the fairies come from, and it's very similar to in some tellings, as I understand it, it bears a very strong resemblance to Vanaheim, mm. which is yeah. Alfheim, yeah. Uh, Alfheim, sorry, which I, if I if I am correct, is the domain of. Freya? Frey. Frey. <clears throat> I meant Frey, but with an R on the end. Yes. Frey with an R on the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to Freya. With an A on the end. Who's got an A on the end. Yeah. Yeah. So it got me wondering about 
which is basically just a long way round of saying, I am fascinated as a non-heathen with the nature of the other realms. And as a heathen, we might have one or two. Yeah. Did you know that your brain is essentially about three pounds worth of salty bacon sat in water, piloting a bioelectrical meat suit on less energy than it takes to power a light bulb? I had never thought of it like that. So make no wonder we perceive things. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, again, the, 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 the way we perceive the world or, the, or what we perceive the world to be yeah. is entirely dependent on that little chunk of porridge up there. Yeah. Bouncy, its, bouncy porridge. Yeah. And the little sparks it's got flying around in it yeah. that are telling it, oh, there's such a coloured object over there. Or, oh, I've there's, a, there's a, a sound of this type over there. But you're not actually directly seeing those things because those things only become the the colours that you see or the sounds that you hear or the smells that you smell when your brain interprets them. Yes. So does that make them any more or less real? Actually, yeah, worlds. So we've got nine. Yes. We've got nine worlds and we're sat on one of them and bypassing the entire philosophical argument of am I a brain in a jar and therefore the world is real. <laughs> and not just my perception of it, because that would make this a really long episode. Yeah. Yeah. The worlds beyond the other eight worlds that heathens have. Mm. Now, we've talked about the nine worlds before, and there's times when we've mentioned them. We mentioned them right back near the beginning. We listed all nine in one episode. We've talked about things like the Bifrost Bridge between worlds. We've talked about the Norns underneath. We've talked about Helheim a few episodes ago. Yeah. And these are all different places. But then the question becomes, where are these different places? Yeah. And... How do we... They are connected. They're connected by not only the Yggdrasil, but also by ways. There are bridges. You know, there is the Bifrost between here and Asgard. But there does, are presumably other paths and ways between the worlds does that the, allows travel between those as well. I was going to say, does the Bifrost, the way you phrase that, makes me, quest, makes me, me want to check. Does the Bifrost... Only go between Midgard and Asgard, then? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought Just... it was... I I thought... I, again, I've, I know I've said before, I have this... It is, it is to my guilt and shame that when I, <laughs> when I envisage a lot of these things... You're picking up Tom Hiddleston. I know. I'm thinking about Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> I spend a lot of time thinking about... Tom... No. But I do... Um, think of of the way things are presented in in the marvel films and i know i shouldn't that's they they they're there for you know comic book entertainment and they're not they're not the, the 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 proper sources and stuff but i think probably part of me is thinking of the bifrost as something that you can aim 
Oh, right. Like that big turret. Cosmic catapult. Yeah, that... (laughs) Like that big turret that um, uh, Idris Elba has as yeah. Heimdall, yeah. and and he just basically put, oh you want to go to Jotunheim I'll point you there yeah all right I'll point the big turret at Jotunheim and you'll just get blasted down there and yeah no not quite you know yeah oh so so it's okay so it's a fixed thing between Asgard and Midgard yes I did so, not know that okay I mean there are instances I'm thinking about principally about travelling between the worlds. Mm. And there are instances of the the stories that start, I'm thinking of um, Eden and the theft of the apples. Oh, yeah. That yeah. starts way back with Odin and Loki and uh, another, is it Heimdall or Hermod? Walking Midgard. And they're walking the realms. Okay. Now we, I know that Odin's horse, when he gets Sleipnir, after this, the building of the walls of Asgard. This is the eight eight legged one that that was the child of Loki. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That can travel between all the worlds. We know that Ratatosk goes between the realms. Uh, you know, passes the realms on his way between the roots and the crown. Yes, does he actually go into them though? No, because he's he going up and, down the, up and down the trunk, isn't he? Because yeah. he's he's going between the the eagle and the serpent. Yes, the middle yeah. of the dragon at the base. Yeah, but there are instances of the gods coming into different realms. You know that Thor definitely visits Jotunheim. Yeah, probably on <clears> several <throat> occasions because he not only visits Utgard Loki to get his hammer back from the Jotuns. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But also I'm thinking of in the the building of the walls of Asgard, Thor is not there for the majority of it because he's been away killing giants. Of course he has, yes. And here he turns up at the end. He comes, yeah, right in at the end. Recognises the the builder as, as a Jotun. Yes. And just, like, smacks him to death with the hammer. yeah. Pretty much. Without a word. Without a word. But it's the little bit where it says he was away fighting giants and he came back. Okay. So, as heathens, we don't have a base of theology as, say, the Christians have. Mm. So, in some cases, we can take that those theological arguments and understandings and look at applying them to heathenry. Yeah. So I want to take a a very modern philosopher and look at her theory of effectively overlapping realms. Okay. All right. So for those of you who've who've heard of the the, the very profound, very almost laconic modern philosopher Belinda Carlyle. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Who very clearly stated, heaven is a place on earth. (laughs) So I would like to look at... You see, the thing is, I start laughing the minute you say the name. And I think... And then I think to myself, why are you laughing? It could be a philosopher called Belinda Carlyle. It's not automatically going to be that one. But it is that one. Okay, fair it enough. It is that one. Uh, and we also have 
evidence in other lyrical formats. We have Chris Rea singing about the road to hell, which we know is a real thing because Hermod rides it to Helheim yes. to ask for Balder to come back. So we can take some of these philosophies and quite easily apply them to the interpretations of modern heathenry. Yes. And I'm, although uh, it escapes me, the name, I'm afraid, just for the moment, but I do remember reading somewhere that heaven uh, was believed to be a halfpipe. Mm, now that's, yeah, that's a really interesting discussion. I, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm no philosopher. I'm no cosmologist. Uh, theological cosmologist or anything like that, that you know, yeah that, that it's we just might have to leave that one from their episode because that is quite a, a deep deep dive well i mean it could be yeah if you fall off the skateboard you could <laughs> <laughs> and you also have uh the the very almost bombastic philosopher singing heaven can wait Indeed. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. So looking at, particularly at Carlyle's theory of heaven is a place on earth, <laughs> you're then, you can apply that to modern heathenry. How do we view where the nine realms are? Do we view them as separate and distinct entities being connected together by the Yggdrasil? Or do we view them as a stack of plates all in one place in which the Yggdrasil allows us to move between or yeah. to see fragments of or for beings and peoples from those realms to come into ours and move through ours and into another place. In other words, yeah, I mean, from a, from a, uh, a, in terms of coordinates, as, as it, as you might say, um, are the, the nine worlds that we're told about, um, and I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know the likelihood that there are there may be more. Mm. Whether you know, I, obviously, I know nine is a very significant number, and so forth. Yes. Um, and I don't know whether that it is the case that there are nine and nine alone, or nine only, or whether it's the number nine has been given in much the same way that. A large number would be given in the Bible. Yes. To indicate many. Yes, after Exodus. Mm. And um, the Israelites. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, my Old Testament is rusty, but the, the Israelites were the ones that went out and wandered in, in the desert yes, after Moses so. for, yeah. for 40 years. Yes. I think it was, wasn't it? And geographers and historians have looked at it and gone but but you can you can walk across that bit of that particular bit of desert in like two or three days yeah. you know if you properly kit it out and um but the point was that that was that was a significant 40 is a significant number and it gets referenced in the bible an awful lot mm. so does make me wonder whether you know when whenever we hear nine are we actually literally being told nine or are we being told a large number a of. significant number of or yeah something like that so and i think what interests me what carlisle's theory got me thinking of was how do we there are sort of known ways to travel between mm. and she states heaven is a place on earth yeah so that gets me thinking about heathenry how do we look at the nine realms in relation to each other where do they 
connect with each other? How do we get between them? Can we get between them as human beings? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of... It would be obvious to me that the gods could travel between the worlds. Yeah. And they do frequently in the tales you get, like Hermod being sent to ride the long road from Asgard all the way down to Helheim to ask for Baldur to return. Yeah. So we know that there's a route there. We know that that route is known to the gods. They just mm. decide not to take it. And we looked at, we've looked at Svipdag before. We have, yes. With, with the joys of Bootbeak. With Bootbeak, yes. And Svipdag, right at the beginning of his story, Svipdag looks at um, that he goes down to see his dead mother and talk to her through the gates. Yes. And Svipdag is a living human being. Yeah. But he travels down there. He's not a... Um, a practicer of Seath. He's not a Vicky. He's done no magic. He's done no spells. He's not got any charm to let him go there. No. So this is a road that he's not only found, but he's managed to journey all the way to the gates of Helheim on. He's just taking it on himself. Right. I'm going to go. I, I want to go and talk to talk to my mum. Yeah. And she's she's down there. So I'm going to go and. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to go there and talk to her through the gates and then come back. I mean, we take it as read that 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 in that cosmology people do transition between realms. Yeah. But it's usually at specific times. So either they go to Helheim or, you know, if they if they're selected, they may go to um Valhalla. Yes. Which which would entail a human being going to Asgard. Yes. Albeit in not necessarily in a physical doing, state. Yeah, is there a change of state doing that? And does that have more in common with a Seath journey? Yeah. Only presumably with a Seath journey, you get to come back. Yes. When you go to well, Valhalla, you go to Asgard, you're probably not looking at coming back down no. to Midgard. <laughs> or Volkswanger? Volkswanger, yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, my pronunciation is terrible. Um,. I remember um, Sandy Toxvig talking about that on um, a QI once. Yeah. Yeah, she was talking. She was, she was actually doing QI. If if anybody's not seen it, it's a very long running uh, panel panel game TV quiz show thing, and it's basically the the question master will ask questions of the contestants and they'll usually give the the answer they think they know but it'll turn out to be wrong because in actual fact some fiddly technicality makes it yeah and she'd said something like uh i think the question had been where do people go in norse mythology where do people go who've been slain in battle yeah and somebody pressed the button and said valhalla and they got a a, a, a forfeit klaxon for it and she said some of them do. And she explained that, as we've talked about before, um, that in actual fact, Freya gets first pick. Yes. She gets to choose 50% yes. of fallen warriors to go to Volkswanger. Yes. Yeah, the whole of the, whole of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we have the same situation. These are people who in our world are dead. But in some form, are continuing on. Whether it's a soul or whatever you would call it, 
are, are continuing on and are transitioning over from one world into one of the others. I mean, there are instances in the sagas of, I can remember one, and I will have to go and track down the reference, which is going to be tricky because I can't remember all of it. But I can remember one in which uh, a man dies and his widow goes and cries on his grave. Okay. On his, his grave mound is raised and she spends her nights going to the grave mound and weeping for him. Yeah. And in a, a dream, he goes to her and says, can you stop weeping, please? Because it's disturbing my rest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, go, go forth, go on and live your life. Go and do your thing. Yeah. But you don't have to, you know, he'd come back. I mean, what happens after death in the sagas is complicated. Um, but again, it can involve travelling between worlds. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a one-way street. No, but again, it's only specific occasions. And usually when something gets noted in a saga, it's noted because it's different, it's unique, it's unusual. Yeah. It's not just making a good story, mm. but it's something out of the normal pattern that is happening. Yeah. So, you know, are, are, are the accounts we have of people coming back from other realms to this realm, are they so unusual that they're, they're considered fantastical? Yeah. Can we as modern heathens, if we know Seath, if we can do that deep trance meditation, if we find we have a skill for that, can we go to other realms? Mm -hmm. And we are certain that when we have those experiences that they are as real as our three pounds of salty bacon in water <laughs> can make them for us. And this is, and this and they is, are, they are no less real because, you know, our body reacts when we go into trance, then we go and we find ourselves on a path and we walk through a field and we enter a hallway. We can feel that the wood of that door frame. Yeah. We can smell the smoke that's coming up from the fireplace. We can talk to people in there. Yeah. And we're reacting emotionally to them exactly the same as we would do reacting to another human being that we're stood physically talking to with our eyes open. Yeah. Our brain treats it exactly the same. I mean it's it 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 fascinates me because it wraps up into so many yeah. related ideas. I mean it's 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 like the dream or the dream. Thing. you know yes. the the am i am i the 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 human thinking dreaming they're a butterfly or a butterfly dreaming they're a human yeah um, that's where, lovely listeners we did warn you <laughs> that this was gonna get a bit head explodey today but my but yeah but but the thing is in the dream i mean yes there is um the um there is the phenomenon of lucid dreaming, which is something that some people will experience where they, in the dream, they are conscious and aware of the fact that they are in a dream. And able to control those circumstances. And in some cases able to control yeah. how the dream pans out. I, I've never experienced that because for me, for as for quite a lot of people, when I'm in a dream, it's real. Yes. There is no it, it gets it gets very inception. There's there isn't any way. I don't have a little spinning top or or whatever no. it might be. There's no way for me to know when I'm in a dream. No, because that, it's the only time your brain is actively experiencing and creating reality. Yeah. In that same instant that you are experiencing it, your brain is creating it. Yeah. That and is wild. 
which raises the question of the extent to which that is what's happening now. I mean, I'm awake. I know I'm awake. At least I think I know I'm awake. <laughs> but the trouble is we end up with this. Uh, and and this, is, this is where at the beginning I was saying, this is why I was talking about the, the, the whole sort of um, uh, the, the UFO thing, the ghost thing and whatever at the beginning. Mm. Because, you see, I've always had this this impression whenever you've talked or, or, or anybody in the heathen community or, or, or what have you has talked about the, the realms, I have always had this impression that the realms are here, that they coexist with Midgard. Mm. They are separated from Midgard in the same way that Arcadia is or Magonia, whatever you want to call it. The, the 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 other world where the 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 sort of the fairy folk and, and, and things live in, in in other in other mythologies and what have you those realms are here so when I watch the Marvel films much as I enjoy them <laughs> and they're like oh let's go to Asgard and it presents Asgard as being basically this floaty almost a planetoid of some sort. Mm. You know, this floaty planetoid with this big city built on it and so forth, out in space somewhere. And I've always thought, I mean, it's great for the film, don't get me wrong, but it's always troubled me because it's like, if I get a telescope powerful enough and point it into the right place in the sky, is there somewhere I can point it where I could see Asgard from here? Or I could see Vanaheim or Muspelheim or wherever. I suspect not. I suspect those realms exist right here, the same place that we are, but they are separated from us by some other, I hesitate to say dimension, but I mean it in the sense of, in the, in the, 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 the sort of geometric sense of a direction of separation. So you would follow Carlyle's theory? Yes, I suppose if I was looking at it from a Christian point of view, where is heaven? Heaven, and now I've, I'm just thinking as, as well about, um, I'm going, may I invoke John Constantine? Please do invoke John Constantine. I, I do not mind this in the slightest. Um, John Constantine, the comic book demon hunter, uh, as portrayed in, a, in the movie of the same name um, mm. by Keanu Reeves. Yes. Uh, that's the movie's called Constantine, not John Constantine, and don't confuse it with John Wick. Um, or Johnny Silverhand. Or Johnny Mnemonic. He plays a lot of Johns, doesn't he? He does. Johnny Silverhand, Johnny Mnemonic, John, John Constantine, Wick. John Wick. He's a he's a big <laughs> he's a big John guy. <laughs> <laughs> you just said that. Here we go. I'm talking all serious about the application of Carlisle's theory. <laughs> and look where you've got to take it. I was just saying. <laughs> we, we can edit that out. It's no, fine. we can't. It's fine. <laughs> Leave it now right where it is. Um, <laughs> sorry, Mr. Reeves, if you're listening, because I'm sure I'm sure he does. Um, 
I didn't mean to make any comment on your... Um, uh, anyway, <clears throat> moving on. Um, so in Constantine, he there is a sequence where he needs to go to hell, basically. Mm. Um, he um, He's investigating an apparent breach of a long a long-standing treaty between the forces of heaven and hell that they won't interfere. Um, they can send in... proxies to Earth, but they can't directly interfere. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So there's this scene where he gets himself ready, uh, he goes through a, a, a ritual involving... Does he immerse himself in the bath, or does he just put his feet in the bath or something? To... Uh, he puts his feet in a, a bowl of water. That's right, yeah. Uh, but there have... is a, a ritual with a whole bath, a whole immersion bath later on, yeah. I think. And he ends up, he sort of shuts his eyes in, in, in the, the human world, um, the earthly world, and opens them in this, I mean, it's, it's, it's what the word hellscape was coined for. Mm. But it's the same place. And that was what that was what always intrigued me about, about that, that particular scene. It's, it's, he's in the same city. Mm. That he was in on Earth, it's just it's hellish, yes, and it's it's this tormented place and 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 you know it, it just just a, a horrendous environment. But it's clearly the same place, and it's because he hasn't moved. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's not he's not moved in space. He's not moved in time. He's moved in a different direction. Well, if he steps sideways. Mm. If you were, if you have it that he stepped sideways in some way to traverse the barrier between one realm and the next, even though they're effectively on top of each other, yeah. Then how do we understand the Bifrost? Is that less of a physical bridge and more of a a journey between realms? Is it the sparkly coloured lights you see on the way from one to the other? Oh, trippy. I'm just, I mean, again, in in um, in other folklore, if you want to go and visit the land of, for want of a better word, the Fae, and by the way, don't, um, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't don't go there. And if you do, stay with us and have an extra biscuit. It'll be fine. Don't yeah, eat our biscuits. Don't don't if don't eat the biscuits over there. No. Folklore talks about links and gates and portals and things that will take you from one realm into the into the other, into mm. the other world. Uh, I mean, a lot of the time, it might be that that one of them will walk, just discover you. One of them will find you and go, "I'm interested in you. Come with me." And you'll go along a road with them or what have you, and you'll find yourself in a place that you don't know, and you know it's not a place that should be where it is, and all that kind of thing, and then. You realise that you've you've actually crossed over into into that other realm, but there's always a there's always a way to get there, or you might have to to, to sort of open a gate at a particular place at a particular time, at mm. a particular phase of the moon, or what have you. Stand by the grey stone when the thrush knocks. On the last light of Durin's day. Will shine upon the keyhole. Indeed, yes. Hey, I remember culture and literature. How about that? <laughs> Okay, I watch movies. I admit it, I watch movies. And that, again, holds implications for... As heathens, one of the common ways that we 
start ritual or create ritual is that we mark, demark the space that we're stood in. Yeah. Either it's marked out by a circle of people and that becomes our ritual space looking inwards. Yeah. Or it's marked out by uh, rope and posts to make a temporary temple space. Yeah. In which you have altars or you have god posts. Or it's a particular place in our in our gardens or on our land that we use for ritual over and over and over again. Yeah. But that that constant creation of ritual space. Are we on Midgard, or do we see Midgard when we step into ritual time? It takes us to the Axis Mundi. I suppose, uh, the Axis Mundi is the is the sort of. I don't know what axis would translate as. I mean, I know what it's a, it's a it's a word in English, and I wanted, and it is just, um, it is that around which things rotate. But there is the the concept of the axis mundi is a is is a, the the axis of the world, and it's often represented as a uh, a column or a, a monolith of some sort or a, the immensal, the immensal, the the. The central tree, yeah, the Yggdrasil. The Yggdrasil. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and but you'll often find that, you know, there are there are there are sort of I, there are cosmologies where, the Axis Mundi is the is this is the constant center point of, I mean I, I know that in in Norse cosmology the realms are sort of ba- are, are, are sort of supported in the tree in the branches aren't they? They tend to be when you. When you see them in illustrations, they tend to be on different levels. Okay. So you have three in the top branches, you have three in the middle, and three underneath. Yeah. So, you know, if, if all nine are here, what are the implications for travel between them? Mm. And how do we maybe, as Seath practitioners, as in trance, if we sit at our our home altars and we have a moment of quiet or a moment of prayer mm. does that move us or does our message move between realms mm. do we move between do we move between realms for the time that we are sat there yeah do we stay where we are and part of us moves to that other realm the whether spiritually or if we sit and we do seeth we do trance work we do visualization work we take a, a a shamanic journey to these places yeah we go to these places and we talk to the beings in those places is it part of us that goes and part of us that stays do we become the bridge between worlds yeah and yeah it's it's big well it is and and it's and it's a it's an idea that fascinates me very much and and i suppose yeah you can you can you can apply it uh, you can ask the same question of any uh, of any of these. I I always hesitate to use the words like folklore and mythology and so forth. I, but but I understand those to be not to me saying something is is mythological doesn't mean it isn't it isn't necessarily real. It means it it refers more to ways in which people perceive things sort of en masse. So yes. you know folklore is how a substantial group of people come to see things. Yes. So when I use those words, that's that's kind of what I have in my mind. It's not it's not 
it's not sort of you know this is this is what this particular culture used to believe and it's and we've you know it's it's all outmoded and we've gone past that now i'm a, i'm very fond of of science especially space science i mean i'm not qualified in any respect but i love astronomy and i love cosmology and i you know and in, in as in as insofar as i can understand it with my little mass of waterborne bacon yeah but it's like what is outside of that or what is what coexists with that i can you know we can measure this world to 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 i was going to say within an inch of its life um oh, yes and no we can <laughs> we can measure it down <laughs> to the last plank length but that doesn't tell us what's what's outside there no and it doesn't tell us all of it either no and yeah so this is this is a question that i've been turning over recently is the nature of theological cosmology mm. if we're looking at nine worlds as heathens where are they yeah are they somewhere we can journey to are they not are we not allowed to as human beings mm. are we allowed to go so far and then we can only go to other places on under special conditions yeah under certain conditions and yeah it's kind of been on my mind a whole lot so lovely listeners thank you for indulging us <laughs> in talking this out with you it's been a bit fab if your brains are not too broken and you would like to find us online, you can. You can find myself. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook under that name. And I'm also on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me, I am uh, available on uh, Facebook uh, as Kate Coldwind. And uh, if you if you also go to um, Facebook, you can find our um, podcast page, which is uh, facebook.com slash frithcastpod. And that will lead you to the little group we've got going there and to our Discord server, uh, where you'll be very welcome to come and join us around the virtual, virtual campfire. Mm. Come and say hi. Come and have a chat. Come and talk this stuff out. Let's thrash out some theological cosmology and share it, you know. Have a cuppa, share a biscuit. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. We're going to thrash it out, as the sheriff says at the beginning of Cyberpunk. I will. Don't you worry about it. We're going to... Oh, hash it out, he says. Hash. Don't you worry about it. We're going to hash it out. Oh, that's got a whole different meaning. Well, you know. You know. So, lovely listeners. Thank to you each their own. Very much for joining <laughs> us. For an exploration of the application of Carlyle's theory. <laughs> Yeah, we bounced about a bit on this one. Sorry we did. about that. But it's been fun and yeah, we kinda hope uh, thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We'll hope to see you around the virtual campfire for our next episode in a very short while or a very long while, depending on how you perceive time, which is a whole different discussion. We can do that one as well if you want. Yeah, later. So after let's, after we let's have a cup of first. Yeah. Let's take a break. Fair enough. And then we'll get into that one. All right, fair dues. See you next time, lovely people. Bye, listeners. Bye.
sleep.